Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Sunday. Today, we're going to talk some USC Trojan football, of course. That's what we always do with the coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde. We want to uh, touch on some news that happened last week. Uh, Clay Helton gets a contract extension from athletic director Lynn Swan. We haven't had coach on since then, so we'll talk about that a little bit. We got some questions. And also, USC signing day finished number four team in the country. Uh, bringing in a bunch of five-star guys, 18 players signed in this in this group. So we got some questions about all of that. If you have any questions or comments, we do love to hear from you. Podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address, or you can call or text at 424-254-9141. We got a lot of stuff to get to, so we're going to jump right in with the coach. What's up, coach? How you doing? Another beautiful day in Southern California. There's some talk about some rain. Uh, I'll see it. Uh, when I when I see it, I'll believe it. Let me put it to you that way. But I certainly hope we do get a little bit of rain to help our flowers and wash down everything and and uh, move on. Uh, but uh, it's a beautiful day, and it's a great time of year as far as now moving into, I guess it's already spring. I don't know if we had a winter or not. But, uh, heck, we're less than a month away from spring practice, Ryan. I know. It's absolutely crazy. So uh, March uh, 6th, I believe it is, whatever the Tuesday is, 5th or 6th. Um, I I don't have it right in front of me, but that's when spring practice starts. It'll be every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And they skip uh, the second week, I believe it is, for um, spring break. So it'll actually last six weeks, and the – Spring game will be, uh, I believe it's April 14th. I wish I didn't, sorry, I don't have the date. Oh, it is, it is. You got it. April 14th, uh, most likely going to be on campus because the Coliseum is a demolition zone right now. But uh, Clay Hilton wasn't exactly uh, sure. So, yeah, it's it's hard to believe we're this close to spring football. Just, you know, obviously signing day is less, you know, less a week old, a week, you know, uh, a week in the past, and uh, we're almost on spring football. It is, and uh, there really isn't an off-season anymore for the coaches or players. There really isn't. Uh, when recruiting's been going on, of course, the players have been working out and rehabbing and getting ready for spring practice, and they just finished the season, if you remember, with the Cotton Bowl. So there really isn't any time off, and then pro day comes, and there's something else and something else. And, and uh, then, of course, summer workouts, final exams. Uh, the new players come in for the fall, and they sign up, and, all of a sudden it's fall camp again. So it's a long season and a long process, and I think this recruiting uh, portion of what we just went through and the whole period of time of the early signing and late signing in December, I think that's got to be really evaluated again. I was asked some questions about that the other night, and I don't know no one might ask me the question here, but I think it's got to be changed. Uh, I went. I coach at many bowl games, and I know how it is, and I know how hard it is to take a team on the road, prepare a team for a bowl game, get ready to play in a, a great event, and still recruit at the same time, and it's impossible. Something's got to give. Either your preparation for the bowl game 
gives or your recruiting gives, but you can't do either as well as if you were just doing one or the other. So I really think that the coaches were overextended during that period of time, and I think they've got to change something because, hey, Ryan, it's a great thing when you have it like in February. It's a great event. It's, it's, it's on all day. People love it. You don't need an early signing period. What does it accomplish? Yeah, I mean, they do it in other sports, and uh, I don't. I wouldn't mind having one. I don't. I agree with you. I don't like where it is. Um, if you're gonna have it early, have it early, like in the spring, not not in December when there's like fifty thousand things going on. No, I agree, and I think it sort of takes away from the bowl games as far as and the signings. I think it doesn't get the necessary pub that it needs to get. And uh, what I don't like the, uh, about the early signings is uh, how do you know how a kid's going to do his senior year? How do you know he's not going to get hurt? How do you know he does it changes for someone else comes up that's transferred in or you don't know about? I mean, really, there's just too many questions. And today you can't make a mistake in recruiting. I mean, it's a $70,000 a year mistake or half a million dollar mistake if you give a scholarship to someone if that's a four-year deal. So you got to really be careful, and you really got to know who you're signing and recruiting. Certainly do. All right. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse my voice there. Before we jump into some of the topics and questions, wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. You can go to sctickets.com and get tickets for any kind of sporting event you would like. If you want to go to a play, I'm not going to talk about what I'm doing because I did that last week and I don't want to give anything away. Um, you want to go to a musical, maybe a Broadway show, you can go to sctickets.com and they will help you out or call them at 1-800-888-7287. They will take care of you. Tell Curtis, Coach Harvey Hyde, sent you over there and uh, Curtis will certainly take care of you. They've been helping us for many, many years. So we appreciate sctickets.com, Southern California Tickets. Um, Coach, so one of the newsy items that happened uh, since we last talked was Clay Helton getting a contract extension from Lynn Swan, uh, announced five-year extension. There was no terms disclosed. And, uh, you know, it seemed like when we got to talk to Helton on Wednesday, he seemed pretty happy talking about, you know, goals being national championships and all this kind of stuff. Um, he didn't really go into any kind of detail about that, but it certainly, you know, a little bit more stability couldn't have hurt with this recruiting class and, and recruiting classes kind of going forward. But wanted to get your thoughts on on that because, it's, to be honest, there was a kind of a mixed reaction uh, on, on uscfootball.com message boards and Twitter and all that. There's a lot of fans that weren't exactly happy, and there's other ones that are. So it was kind of a, a mixed bag as far as the reaction going. Well, you know, it's uh, always good to give your opinion, and I just think it was a, a good thing to do. And for all of you that are listening, yes, that is my dog, she has an opinion, too, on this. But it I think it was good. I think it was good to show the support of the football program by your athletic director and your administration. You're coming into recruiting, National Signing Recruiting Day, and I'm sure it was used against you as far as, oh, if, they're, if he's going to be there, why aren't they giving him an extension? You know, there's a lot of things that happen negatively in recruiting, and I used to face that all the time, uh, recruiting to Las Vegas and all of those different things. You can imagine what what coaches and people say. So I think that was a, a sign of uh, commitment by the university to Clay Helton's program. I think it's a good thing. We don't know what the language is in it. There could be buyouts and this and that. But still, 
I think it was necessary. I think it had to be done. If you're going to give an assistant coach a, a multi-year contract, we well, certainly should give the head football coach a multi-year contract or an extension. I think it probably made a difference with a couple of kids as far as on National Letter Signing Day, if they were on the bubble, not knowing what to do. But when they heard that he got an extension, I'm sure that mentally in their mind they knew that the university was behind Clay Helton and, and it might have made a difference. So I'm for it. Heck, the guy has is, is won a lot of football games, and, you know, he's maturing on the job, and that's been one thing we've talked about before. He wasn't a, a coach that came in with a 50-10 and 10 record somewhere else. He's a coach that came in and is trying to recover a program and bring it back to what everybody wants, and that's national championships, dominance, be physical, and all of these different things. So I think we ought to give him a chance. And I'm one of the first ones to always be honest with my opinion on game plans, what they're doing, recruiting. But I think you've got to show this type of commitment to your head football coach. Yeah, and USC and Lin Swan certainly did that. And like we said, we don't know the the terms of it. But, uh, you know, it, it does show a vote of confidence from Lin Swan going forward. So we'll see where that goes. Um, we have a bunch of questions. This one um, is about... Uh, Dela McCullough, who uh, left, obviously, for the uh, Kansas City uh, Chiefs job, where he's going with Eric Bieniemy, his uh, former teammate, uh, back with the Bengals, I believe it was. Um, anyway, here's a here's a question about Dela McCullough. Uh, good morning. Uh, this is uh, Lee from uh, LeBaron. Yes, I've been uh, thinking about this uh, McCullough thing. Uh, he's going to uh, coach with his friend. And I decided to uh, give my opinion, and I just want to uh, get a hard, hard uh, thoughts on this. Um, about McCullough going, um, Bob McCullough going to another program, um, you know, to me, uh, it could be said that, you know, he's not showing loyalty to Clay Helton. You know, Clay Helton snatched him out of Indiana. Uh, he left out of one, uh, after one year. You know, normally uh, people don't uh, get uh, picked from schools like, Small schools like uh, Indiana normally uh, usually get them from the big programs, you know, the USC, the Alabamas, or you know, Ohio State. Or it could not be that. It could be just uh, he's looking back. Uh, Sam Donald left. Uh, he could be thinking like a lot of people think it without Sam Donald. Uh, last two years we're six and six, and he looks up. Uh, uh, they need new coach, and he looks up. And we getting people from Western Kentucky again. Uh, could a uh, possibility that he's seen the writing on the wall. Uh, but it could not be any of that. It could be just the guy want to just coach with his friend. And I'd just like to, to get a coach's perspective on that. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much for your question. You know, uh, I know uh, exactly what you're saying. Uh, McCullough was a self-promoting type of guy, and nothing against his coaching ability. But unless you have great running backs, you're not a pretty good coach. You watch the techniques, and they did cut down on turnovers and fumbles, and I watched him coach. He coached with a lot of enthusiasm. I thought the backs blocked better pass blocking than they had in the past. So he's got a lot of pluses in what he's done for USC. But I think he also used USC as a stepping stone as far as moving on and completing his uh, goals of what he wants to be and what he wants to do. He, he had a, came in, had a great year and had the opportunity of moving on maybe his goals uh, was to be in the nfl or be an offensive coordinator in the nfl or be a head coach in the nfl but he certainly took advantage of what usa is all about he came in and did a good job and i thought that uh, i would have liked to have seen him stay 
And I understand what you're saying, too, as far as bringing coaches from different areas that have coached in big-time programs that bring uh, things to your program that you can talk about and implement and uh, improve your entire coaching staff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and the thing that surprises me the most is how you can't find a guy to replace him. As far as I don't know if they've talked to someone, but, hey, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of guys who would love to coach at USC that are great running back coaches. And as I mentioned before, sometimes a great coach never gets an opportunity. But when you're around great talent, it's amazing how you become a great coach. Everybody forgets that. You know, coaches are only as good as what they coach and how they can recruit. I don't think you can have a coaching staff where every single coach on your staff is a recruiter to same type in one way or another. Because if you don't have great talent, you're not very good. Just ask Urban Meyer. Just ask Nick Set. Just ask anybody. The successful coach, and they give credit to the players that they have to work with. And I think this is something he had the credit of. And, and the, coming in, these players were there. And I'd like to follow. I want to see how Step does and see how he does. But, you know, uh, I can say he did a great job. Uh, but, again, he was, if you ever noticed, he was always tweeting out and always sending out emails with pictures of himself and everything else. So I call that a self-promoter as far as helping yourself let everybody know what you're doing rather than just watching and let us say how good a job you're doing. Interesting. All right, Coach. Um, yeah, I was I was a big fan of, of Dylan. So, uh, you know, so I'm not saying I'm a big fan of him. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of him. I'm just saying when you come in and you have Ron Jones there, hey, you're a pretty good coach, aren't yeah. you? <laughs> pretty good. Uh, I'll let him come in and let me give him some other players to coach. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that one. Uh, let's see. We're going to go. Tarek said something I mentioned at the top. He said, Clay Helton mentioned national championships a lot. In his press conference, is that a reasonable goal for 2018 or 2019? A Pac-12 title, to me, is the bare minimum. Well, yeah, I think you got to win your conference championship first, especially the South. I don't think – I think you go into your mind think you'd love to win a national championship. I think being realistic is the number one thing. You've got a, re- a lot of rebuilding to do. You've got to replace a great quarterback. And I, I wouldn't talk national championships. That's the first way you're going to get fired but you don't live up to the expectations that you're talking about. I think you got to talk about what you need to do as far as rebuilding, uh, find a quarterback, uh, get your team back in order, and, and play one game at a time. But you've got quite a schedule, guys. You open with UNLV, you visit Stanford, you visit Texas, who had a great recruiting year and has their freshman starting quarterback back. Costello's back, Bryce Love is back, and they're both on the road. So it's tough to talk about national championships until you win your – uh, a couple of games. So right now I'd focus on, hey, winning one game at a time and getting better every day in every way and becoming a little bit more physical and let time take care of itself. But, you know, you're always going to be positive because you're USC and you've got some of the great greatest players in the country. You just had one of the greatest recruiting years. But I think what you got to do is allow these players to come in and compete. Not let them sit around and all of a sudden halfway through the season decide they're the best. I think you got to let them come in and push Jones and push Marshall and push everybody that's out there playing receivers and say, hey, guys, Stuart, if you're good enough, and Griffin, if you're good enough, you're going to start. And I tell you, you don't do yourself a favor not playing them. You get yourself fired or you get people criticizing you because you find out halfway through the season 
that Pittman's a pretty good receiver. Tyler Vaughn's a pretty good receiver. So I think what you've got to do is find out in camp who your football players are. And you got to do that by playing football. And you can't just go skeleton all the time. You've got to find out who can play under fire and decide who your starters are and put them in a position where they can win. Now, I think St. Brown can really come in and play football and special teams and a slot receiver. But you've got to put him in a place where he can perform. And there are others. I'm just pointing out this. But I think you've got to worry about winning the first football game first the second football game, the third third football game, and let things take place. Because right now, you're going to be the favorite to win the Pac-12 South. You're going to be the favorite. Now, the North, you got pretty pretty good two teams up there in Washington, Stanford, Oregon, Arizona, Arizona State. They're new in as far as your division. So, you know, you're going to be the favorite. What your thoughts are right now, if I'm Clay Helton, we've got to win the Pac-12 South. But if you don't win that, you're not going anywhere anyway. And then, of course, play for the Rose Bowl. I'd always want to play for the Rose Bowl before a national championship because if you have the opportunity of playing for a Rose Bowl, then you might be in a position to make the playoffs. Let's uh, let's talk some recruiting because USC had their national letter of intent day. Everyone did uh, in college football on Wednesday. Like I said, uh, nationally ranked class, number four, best in the Pac-12 Uh I think it's the second or third highest, or you know, it was first, second, or third. It's right up there, like as far as the highest star rankings go of all the schools. So, um, pretty impressive group. Uh, only one uh, 24/7 composite three-star of the 18 players that USC brought in. Everyone else is a four-star or higher. So that's where you get the the really high average. Um, you know, I'll, I'll read this question from Lamar, and then we can kind of. I want to get your thoughts on some of the. The, the players that you feel could come in and help USC. He said, hey, guys, what a great, a good recruiting class. The 18 class is stout on defense and has an abundance of specialty players on the other side of the ball. Uh, the recruiting for the offense offensive line looks slim, and that, that is the biggest weakness on the team. At this point, the accountability is on the staff to work with the talent in-house and get them to meet expectations for the upcoming season. With the current players at the position – they may uh, have to add or change the philosophy of preparation in the spring and summer for the kids t- uh, to take further steps to improve. Let me know what you all think, uh, Lamar, in the high desert. Well, Lamar, first of all, uh, we all know that uh, battles are won on the line of scrimmage. I'm not quite too sure. Everybody keeps saying that the talent on the offensive line is not any good and they're undersized or they're this or that. You know, you find out excuses. I don't necessarily believe that. Uh, two years ago and last year before this year, hey, they got some pretty good players. They're all four- and five-star players. Correct me if I'm wrong. If you go by the service rankings, and a lot of times these service rankings aren't all, you know, what did to be. You know, you can take a three-star and all of a sudden he becomes a five-star. If you remember, Clay Matthews walked on at USC. I don't think he was any stars. So, you know, you got to look at the potential of a player, but some players have reached, their maximum effort, and they improve very little from high school to when they're a senior in college because they, they mature faster than others. And some players come along that are three stars that turn into five stars by the time they're a senior, junior, senior in, in college. So you've got to look at that, and you've got to look at what you have to work with. But I think it's a philosophy of getting your players in the right type of position where they can perform. 
You heard me talk about last year as far as some of the players playing certain positions on the offensive line that I didn't think fit their size or height. One made all conference, one made something else or whatever. But I think you've got to be able to put them where they can perform and you've got to be able to make it where they're, where they're able to do what they can do at a better uh, type of philosophy of what you're doing. And, you know, you've got to be, you got to be guys that uh, that aren't afraid to bleed on the elbows, and guys that can't, the guys that uh, that play the offensive line. That you know that the only time they're going to get any credit at all is when they get a holding penalty, so that somebody you know steps up. Number seventy-two is holding on this play. All the backs get all the glory. All the quarterbacks get all the glory, and all the offensive linemen. All they do is people talk about what they did wrong. Occasionally, yeah, it's a nice block downfield or so on, and that includes myself because I expect so much from the offensive line since I coach the offensive line, and I know what a great unit it can be. But you've got to mold them. They got the best possible players they got, and, you you know, they complain about them. What are you going to do about that? You've got to take the confidence away from these players. They listen to this, and they read all this stuff. Hey, I tell these guys, hey, man, this is what we are. This We're who we are. And we're going to get out there and get it done because we're not going to make any changes. There's nobody else. There's no super drink we're going to take. We're who we are, and we're going to do what we got to do. And I'd fight for them in a way and be prideful with them as a coach and, and bring them along to where they believe in themselves and, and play up to the best of their ability. So, you know, uh, you know maybe, maybe they need more talent. I don't care if they need them all or not because this is what you have. So you got to develop them, and they were great players coming in. And obviously, if they weren't, then some coaches made some mistakes in offering these guys scholarships, okay? So don't blame the kids. The kids, you got to get these kids, since you offered them a scholarship, to play up to their abilities and better and get stronger and more physical and let them know what's expected of them as far as being able to win. And I think this is where the real challenges are as far as building confidence in the unit you coach. Uh, coach, so just just so for the um, point of you know, uh, just to let people know, USC did bring in two offensive linemen uh, in this class: uh, Justin Dietrich, who was the top-ranked center in the country, and then Liam Douglas, uh, who's the the one three-star guy from Harvard Westlake. A little bit more of a project, but USC has seventeen offensive linemen on the roster right now, so it's not like they needed to bring in a bunch of offensive linemen. It just wasn't a position of need as far as bodies go this this cycle. But a bunch of five-star dudes, uh, a lot of guys that look like they could potentially contribute right away. We're not going to break down each and every one, but I know, I mean, you've watched a lot of film on these guys. Anyone, you know, maybe met a couple of guys that you'd like to talk about a little bit that, that kind of really stood out to you that you think could be really good players for USC? Uh, well, I don't have a roster in front of me, so you're hitting me sort of cold. Oh, All I know is well, yeah, they got, no, they've got some, they've got some, uh, depth as you said i knew that i don't know if i can remember all their names but uh i think lobodon will be a great center because why he's built like a center i always felt he should have been a guard if you remember me last year i think they i think they should have switched to left guard and left tackle you heard me say that uh but they didn't they played him at left tackle when he's basically i think a guard he'll be a guard in the nfl or possibly a center in the nfl i think they got to find out who their backup center is too whether it's this new kid coming in who's very strong, stout, 6'2", not real tall, but centers don't have to be tall, but he's very strong. And I think they got to give him a shot. If the other guys can play fine, if they can't, 
They can't have reps anymore. If you don't know now, after a kid's been there two years, if he can play or not, then you're not you're not really a good evaluator. But you got to get your players on the field. You got to find out who can play and win for you. Can't be you know uh, nursing people along. Eventually, you got to take the bottle out of their mouth. Okay, and you got to tell them it's time you step up and and eat some oatmeal and see if you can play. And I think there's other guys that like Chuma's coming back now. Chuma, if he wants to play the right tackle, if he wants to play, he can be pretty good. He he's got to learn to finish to play. He's got to learn to uh, concentrate. He's got to learn about the legal procedures and holding, how to finish the block down the field. He's got to play every play. He he didn't play every play. He plays when he wants to play. So I would cut out a film and show him of every play he played and every play he didn't play and every play he held and everything else. And I'd sit down to him, and if you if I would tell my offensive line coach to do this or a GA to get it ready, and sit down and show him what his potential is. He, I'm glad he came back. He should have come back. You've got to go down and show the strengths and the weaknesses of all the players you have and be able to improve on those techniques. But I think they've got players who can fill the responsibilities that are ne- necessary out there. Big, physical kids. Uh, Johnson uh, and, and these guys, they're big, they're physical. How about the big freshman, Voyez? I mean, there's a guy that played the whole year as a freshman, true freshman. I mean, this kid's got potential. You've got to bring this kid along. He's going now from the bottle to now his T-bone steak or filet mignon. It's time for you to eat, baby. Get on the line of scrimmage, and you've got to start talking like this. You've got to build confidence in these guys. All you need is five best out of the 17 and then have the backups. But you've got to bring it along. You've got to get them in the bright, positive mind. You've got to make them strong, believe in themselves, be a unit, go everywhere together, eat everywhere together, know who they are, and take on the challenges and do it every day in practice. But the only way you get better is to practice against my bigs, against your bigs, every single day, full speed when you can, that way you become a better football player. Hey, Coach, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to – I think I got uh, confused there a little bit. I was talking about some of the players from this recruiting class, Stan, not necessarily oh. offensive linemen. Yeah, so anyone – I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm no, very sorry. No worries. That's fine. We got to we got to do some more offensive line talk, which people love. Yeah. But, you know, there's like the Amon Ross St. Browns, the Paie Naoteote, or JT Daniels, Elijah Griffin, uh, Isaac Taylor Stewart. I mean, those are a bunch of the – you know, four or five star guys. There's a bunch of other ones. Solomon Tuialpupu, Talanoa Hufunga is great. I mean, anyone that you would like to kind of chat about, or you know, a couple of guys that stood out to you from what you've watched on film. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Certainly, certainly. Well, first of all, both those corners you mentioned, I think, are guys that can play. Stewart and Griffin. I really like those guys. Okay, uh, I think the offensive linemen uh, uh, they got to take some some time to develop. Maybe the center. I'd put him at second team right now if he's that good and let him develop into a player and get reps. Uh, the offensive lineman that they recruited, uh, I think I told you the other night, I'd make a tight end out of him. Physically, he's not ready to play as far as in the Pac-12. And Liam Douglas. Yeah, Liam Douglas. Douglas. About. Yeah. yeah. And, he, you know, maybe they need a big physical tight end, and maybe in a year or two he can become that, be 6'5", 260 pounds. You know, he only played one year of football. First time he gets hit in a one-on-one drill, he's going to say, my God, he's going to go from 6'5 to 6'2. 
and uh, because you really don't know the difference of playing in that league and when you play uh, Division One college football. I've had it happen to me. The first time I stepped on the field at Arizona, a guy hit me in the head. I'm still recovering from it, okay? And it takes it's a different level, so you've got to know who you want a red shirt, who you don't want a red shirt, and why it takes certain people. But I like the linebacker group, and what I like about them, Ryan, the best, is they all knew everybody was going there. It wasn't like they didn't know. They played against each other. They know the talent level. They've been in camps. They weren't afraid to walk away because the guy from Gorman's coming, and, and the kid from Martyr Day says, I'm going too, and the kid McLean's coming, and Winston says, I'm coming too from Oregon. And, and I, t- I like that. Because when you're ready to compete and say, yeah, he's good, but I'm better. I like that type of competition because that's where you get better and that's why you make all the linebackers on campus better. I mean, you got both starting inside linebackers back in Houston and Smith, and you got guys coming in that don't care. I love that. <clears throat> this is getting back to the Trojan spirit. This is getting back to we went a, when Penn State used to be called linebacker U. USC used to be called tailback you right now usc is starting to be if i was to say something it's getting to be uh, linebacker you again and maybe it could become secondary you hey they got a lot of great secondary players you just got to get them on the field you forget the ones that are in school in bolden and the kid from arizona and this and the kids at redshirt hey these guys can play and then you bring in other kids that can play. Well, you got to get them in the right position. I've been saying all along Marshall should not be on a corner. I think finally now when he's a senior, they're talking about moving him inside or an outside linebacker where I thought he should have always played and bulking him up to 230 and let him come off the corner where he can really be a football player. But you have to – why do you wait till he's a senior to talk about that? I mean, these are the things. you got Randall Grimes. you got great receivers who are out there that are young receivers. I mean, you've got great receivers coming in. So, you know, and, and St. Brown and so on. So I really like it as a group because they're not afraid to come and compete as far as the linebackers. The kid from Day, uh, he's uh, an, an All-American, Gatorade All-American. The kid from uh, Bishop Gorman, I mean, they're talking about him being Junior Seau, where number 55, where he's got to be a pretty good player. And they both play the same position. Isn't that great to say these two kids say, I don't care who he is. I'm going to come in and beat him out. And the same with the outside of the linebackers. So you got to start to develop this type of competitiveness in all of your positions. So you get all of them. So they all want to come in. And, and I think on the defensive side of the line, you know, people forgot about all these great defensive linemen they got they say the defensive linemen oh they're really we had to bring in Tembley. we had to bring in we don't have this guy hey Pelé's gonna be a great player what are you talking about that big guy lines up in the middle and he's gonna mature and play he never played much football and you got the kid from Washington the kid from Oregon they're, they're all five-star players four-star players that came in last year they got hurt or redshirted hey if you can't bring these guys along and get them ready to play you don't see anybody else recruiting guys like this then something's missing. So I really think that they've got the talent there, and they've got talent coming in that's going to be great talent. I mean, Steps, I don't know what type of running back he is, except he reminds me a little bit of Lendell White. He's not fast. He's got good speed, but he leans forward. He'll get you that extra yard, and he's got to grow up and become a man too. 
he's got a chance to play. So, you know, these are all the ways you look at the players that are there and the players that are coming in and you try to put them together with it becomes a great nucleus for a great team. Coach, we do have a, uh, a question about flipping recruits. I'll play this one for you now. Here you go. Hey, Ryan. It's Frank from Fresno. Hope all is well. Again, love the podcast. And I was, uh, just wanted to call in about the uh, most recent podcast I listened to. Uh, you and the coach were talking about uh, recruits and how they flip, why they flip possibly, and um, whether it's the head coach that's making the call uh, or making the offer um, of the scholarship or it's a position coach or somebody else. I don't think, I mean, just me personally, I don't think uh, that has anything to do with it. Um, I've been kind of thinking about this for the last couple of years. I think the problem is that a lot of these kids don't want to compete for their position at the next level uh, at a D1 school. I think they're so used to being the man on campus in high school and that's their job and that's been their their job for three or four years uh, that they were at that particular high school. I don't think a lot of the kids want to really fight and compete and work for a position at a school. I think they're afraid of that. I think it has a lot to do with uh, the millennial generation. I think they just want things handed to them. Um, like I said, I, I don't think they really want to work. One prime example and that comes to my head is Snoop Dogg's kid, five-star kid coming out of Bishop Gorman, gets a scholarship, goes to UCLA. Everybody thought he was going to go to SC, but he doesn't. He goes to UCLA. Um, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe he's only there for a few months, maybe in the summer. And then he checks out, he quits because he wants to chase his uh, music dreams. I don't think that's it at all. I think he got there and he said, whoa, there's a lot of talent here. I don't want to compete. I don't want to do this after all. Um, I'm going to go do something else. Anyway, that's my thoughts. Uh, what do you think, Ryan? Well, uh, I agree with you 100%. There are a lot of kids like that that have had it easy their their whole life. And uh, and competition scares them away. And, and they don't know how good it is until they step on the field. And uh, And so many times... Excuse me. So many times players have come in, and I've had to talk to them about that. Coach, I'm just burnt out. Coach, I'm just burnt out. I've been playing football since I've been 10 years old. I just can't compete anymore. I'm just burnt out. And and in some cases, that's so true. Kids have been playing so long, they're just tired of the game of football. And when they see they have to go out there again and compete again to, against other great players, they're just not up to it. They know that they can get their education. They know that their parents have saved and are willing to send it to uh, them there, and and they'd rather not play or they'd rather not be a part of something after being a five-star, four-star, and doing all the things that they accomplished. They just don't want the embarrassment of standing on the sideline, if you call it embarrassment, or whatever as far as that, that type of university or program. I think it's a shame sometimes that they, they're forced to go to a program like that in their mind because when they come out of a great program like Bishop Gorman, everyone expects them to go to USC or UCLA or somewhere like that. When sometimes kids are better off going to a Redlands or an Oxy or Division II school where they can, or the Ivy League or whatever type of grades they have and compete and be a big fish in a small pond. Uh, I think that's a great opportunity. And Sometimes they do it because people expect them to do that or their parents expect them to do that. Leave the kid alone. 
Let him do what he wants to do, and let him be happy. It's his education, not yours. And don't tell him who to marry. It's his wife, not yours. So I think, you know, you've got to be able to allow your kids to make their own judgments before they make a judgment, or you make the judgment, and then the kid kid fails, uh, or they call he fails or quit. But who really made him go to those places? His parents have pushed him. Oh, you'll save us money. Uh, yeah, you know, look at how much money you're going to save if you get a full scholarship and all this. Kid might not want to do that. So you've got to be able to judge that too. And uh, the kid, you've got to, and parents have got to understand that some kids just don't want to do with that, deal with that, but their parents want them to deal with that. It's more of a parent thing than it is a kid's thing. And And I have to agree with you too that kids are made a star before they go to college. And the response, you know who's responsible for that? We are. Everybody that talks about them. When they're, uh, they're, when they're committee on national TV, when they get away with all the things they get away with, that they're not going to get away with anywhere else. They didn't get away with it in high school. They shouldn't have. And in college, they're not going to get away with it either. They shouldn't. Uh, I know that I don't think they do this anymore. But I know that in some programs, all the freshmen or new players are brought into a room. I know that at USC at one time, uh, somewhat did this. And if you talk to some of the older players, you remember this. Is when recruiting was all over with, you were brought into a room and you were told, okay, it's done, you're here. The days of me following you around and picking up your books or carrying your books are over. You've signed here with us. Now I own you. You're going to earn. I pay you to play here and come to school here. You're going to do it our way, or it's our way or the highway. And uh, I don't know if kids could deal with that today. But I think it's something that sometimes they should hear that. We have one from Nick, too, Coach. Uh, Big Nick from Cyprus. Uh, after the great recruiting class, who is the offensive recruit you can't wait to see in practice? And the same for the defensive side. Fight on from Nick. Well, it's Daniels. It's Daniels, you know, because I want to see him on this level, the quarterback JT Daniels from our day. I want to see him compete in the fall. I think he's going to make Fink and Sears a better football player in the spring, because they're going to get a lot of reps. And I think that uh, they know he's coming, and he knows what he has to do. He'll probably be at practice every day, standing there, maybe even on the field. I don't know if you could do that legally as far as down on the field. I'm sure you can. Or on the sideline or know every play that's being called and, and follow exactly the reads and everything they're doing and listen to the coaching points. And they'll know he's coming, and they know that he's challenging for a starting position. And I think also the staff learned, too, that if he's the best, he's going to start after what they went through at the start of their season last year. So I think they'll be better in that type of uh, atmosphere than they were before, but I want to watch him on the offensive side of the ball. Probably on the defensive side of the ball, you would say I'd say linebackers. No, it's going to be corner play. Uh, I think that one of the biggest improvements they need to do on defense is improve their corner play, being able to play more press, being able to cover man better, be able to carry uh, cover receivers where uh, they don't have to have a pass interference every other play or 
or get beat or don't have the confidence of lining up out there. And Or I didn't have the confidence that every time I saw the ball being thrown, I said, oh, my God. Uh, I, You know, uh, and if you were watching the football game like I were, I think you were thinking the same thing. So I really want to watch the secondary a lot, especially the two new corners when they come in. I want to see just how fast they are. I think they're faster than corners that are there. I think they can be natural corners. And I think you've got to have that type of ability when you're standing out there all by yourself to have the confidence that no matter who you play against, you can cover them. And I'm not sure that the confidence was there with Jones and Marshall. I know Marshall struggled a lot, and I think that's probably where they're moving him. He's a talented kid. He's got to be put in a position where he can be successful. And Jones, I think, you know, oversold himself by talking too much and everybody expected more than what he was able to do. But I do think he got better at a certain portion of the season. He did. So I'd like to see him compete, too, against uh, the corner. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Uh, you talk about competition. Here's a question having to do with competition. This is Emmanuel from Los Angeles. With the new players that are coming to USC, will Clay Helton bring back the kind of competition that USC is well known for or will he shy away from it and find some other way to bring in competition well uh, I think from the old school of players and coaches and, and fans that they want him to go back to what USC is all about. And I think Lynn Swan and some of the other great players want to see the more physical type of football at USC. Now, Clay Helton's a head football coach. Uh, he'll do what he wants to do. But I think he's had some sit-down discussions. And I don't know this as a fact. I'm just saying I assume they've had some sit-down conversation on what was good and what was bad and what's expected and, and all this and that uh, as far as with your athletic director or people that make a difference and people that know football, at least uh, I know that as a head football coach, I re- the people I respect are the people I'm going to listen to. I'm not going to listen to people I don't respect. But, you know, if you respect the people that surround and who made the SC tradition and coaching and so on and possible be Heisman Trophy winners, then uh, I've spoken to these guys. They know football because they played football their whole life. And they know what they want USC to be on the field. They want people to be afraid to come into the Coliseum. Actually afraid. And you've heard me say this. People aren't afraid to play in the Coliseum. They go in there and they'll compete against USC. They want people to be terrified. And the way you're terrified is you become very physical and you run a physical type of game. Yet, today in today's offenses, you've got to have more offense passing game-wise than you did in the old days. Because in the old days, they maybe threw the ball 10, 15 times a game, and you might be able to uh, be able, and you have to be able to do that a lot better today. And I think that they can do that with the type of players they have because kids can throw the ball better today. And skilled players, there are more of them than there were in the past. And I think that you can combine being physical and have a great passing game because you develop your passing game off of the running game, and you have a complete series and being able to have screens and being able to run draws and be able to do different things with the passing game that helps balance it out 
where you got a chance. Uh, probably the greatest blast play for you old people that know what the old blast used to be is the draw blast, where you go back and you set up, and then you give the the uh, ball to the tailback, and the fullback leads through. The linebacker's starting to drop back out of there because he thinks it's passed, and the fullback's got a full-speed run, or whoever you're putting on the linebacker where you're going, at the linebacker who's going backwards rather than stepping up. So there's different ways to run the blast play is what, you know, there's different ways of attacking defenses. That's what I'm saying, and incorporate the passing game. So there's so many different things you could do. But I would say that I would like to see, let me just put it to you this way, and this is just my opinion, I would like to see in the spring when you can hit, the days you can hit, you're in full pads and you hit and you get tougher, and you get some bruises, and you get some nicks, and you get used to playing with them. But that's not your heart, okay? I used to say, son, if it's your heart, you're fine. If it's a bruise, learn to live with it. Now, you're going to say to me, oh, my gosh, he was inhuman. I never played a guy that was hurt. But, you know, you got to get used to knowing the difference between a bruise and a heart attack or a broken bone or something that's, that, you know, going to be fine. Everybody's so quick to worry about certain things. Now, when it comes to the head and different things like that, there's nothing that can be more safe. you got to take care of a kid. I mean, first of all, it starts with the helmet fitting and the amount of hits and what you do with the head and how you teach it. So I, I think that's very important. So I'm not saying take away the safety of the game. I'm saying you've got to be able to play the game and be physical with the game to be what you got to be. All right, Coach, we got a couple more and we'll let you go. Uh, Jim in Newport, beautiful Newport Beach. In the, uh, the podcast with Coach Harvey Hyde on February 5th, Ryan mentioned that Chip Kelly was recruiting for his system instead of simply collecting four- and five-star players. How much could the perceived coaching and game-scheming problems on offense be attributed to a lack of a clear-cut offensive identity, especially because SC regularly has – Highly ranked recruiting classes. We'd love to hear your comments. Love the podcast and all you do. Jim from Newport Beach. Jim, I think uh, Chip Kelly uh, this year tried to evaluate the talent that was at U- at UCLA and went out and tried to find the players that could run his offense and also his staff that he has, many of them from Oregon, what, uh, what they're going to do, do de- defensively. And, who could fit what they do. And I, and he has, you've heard him mention uh, that he didn't care about the stars. He cared about what they could do, how fast that they, they could run, how tall they were, and where they fit into his schemes. And he said there isn't anybody that he's going to redshirt. You heard this, you heard him say this, or at least I did, that he's not going to redshirt anybody. Everybody's got to play because he feels we don't have enough players, so don't even think about redshirting. Find yourself a place with that. Later on, he'll think of this. But right now, he wants it to be wide open. He wants to get players that I think he got his running back, Allen, this kid that really, well, he scored 70 touchdowns in high school. He's sort of like a DeAnthony Thomas, which fits what he does. He's got some receivers that fit what he does. Uh, He wants to put together his scheme of what fits his offense and who they are on defense with their identity. And I think he was able to do that. I've got to give him a, a B-plus on that. Now, sure, he didn't get all five stars. I don't think he got one five-star. 
But like you've heard me say, five stars don't guarantee you a championship. It's what you do with the players when you get them and how they mature. So I think this is what his angle is as far as going out, getting players that fit what I do, and then fit them into my program. Not just recruit a guy because he's got a star next to his name. And I like that philosophy. I really do because he's got a vision of who's going to play where for him now. All right, we got one last one from Tarek. He said, in 2016, after the Utah game, Clay Helton told Clancy Pendergast he had to rotate more. So he's talking about USC's defensive coordinator. That didn't happen much in 2016. Should he ask him again with all these up-tempo offenses in the Pac-12? What do you think? That's from Tarek. Well, first of all, as a head football coach, I don't ask anybody to do anything. I tell them, okay? (laughs) Uh, you know, you got to remember, you know, you're, it's all under your name. You know, everybody, it's, what's this separation stuff? It's his defense, it's my offense, it's his defensive line, it's, it's his special teams. Hey, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't understand this. When a guy misses a field goal, it's my fault. Then I'll pass it down to Baxter and tell him what's the deal, buddy. I mean, as a head football coach, you don't ask anybody anything. You you ask them, but basically it's in a, in a telling way. Like I remember, uh, I would uh, I would tell them when they could substitute. I would tell them how many downs, what I want out of this drive. I would tell them don't stunt, or I'd say go after him. We can't stop him. Quit fooling around and running that damn read. Get after him. Uh, as a head football coach, you got to be in charge of your game and watch the game on what you're expecting is going to happen. And if your players look tired on defense, you just tell them, hey, we're not playing 100%. They're beating us up. They're tired. We're not getting 100%. Rotate your players. Put this guy in. Put that guy in and start doing it. And if he doesn't like it, then later on you say you got a problem with what I'm telling you. We'll meet Monday. I want to meet at halftime. Maybe somebody else can do it. You've got to have the respect, yet you've got to be a good guy and respect your assistant coaches. Or you shouldn't have them on your staff. And they got to understand that you're the man. Your vote counts more than all of theirs combined because you're the one that's in charge of the football program. And I really feel that if he tells them to rotate them more, then they should be rotated more. But he's the one that can see if they're in shape or not in shape or not containing or not doing their responsibilities. He's got to be able to tell coach, whoever that coach is, you guys aren't playing with it. You know what? Make a change or start coaching them because it's not happening. And I think this is one thing that a head coach's responsibility is. All right. The coach, Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter. At. Coach Harvey Hyde. Pretty simple. Go to his website, harveyhyde.com. I had a lot of fun with him. Hope you guys got to catch it Thursday night up in Pasadena at uh, Brad Otten's restaurant, the Seto Bello Pizzeria, former USC quarterback Brad Otten. We did a live show from there uh, on his radio. It was a lot of fun breaking down the recruiting class. So you can, I think that's up on your website, right? Harveyhyde.com. I think so. I think it is. Yeah. Harveyhyde.com. I haven't gone to it. I heard it. So I haven't looked for it. <laughs> yeah. You heard it. Okay. Hey, Brian, I want to thank you again for coming up. Great show. Really was a great show. And really, 
Uh, we reverse the things on my show. What means I'm asking Ryan rather than him is asking me, and then I throw in my comments like Ryan does here. So if you want to see the other side of it, too, just go to harveyhide.com and look for that show, USC Trojan Talk, uh, and uh, you'll be able to get it. So uh, thank you very much, Ryan, for, for mentioning that. Oh, no problem. Yeah, it was my pleasure to go up there. I had some, had some fun on a Thursday night up in Pasadena with all the USC fans and, of course, you, Coach. Um, well, thanks again, Coach, and uh, we'll, I guess we'll talk to you again next week. We'll, uh, we'll see. Probably news will slow down a little bit, then spring ball gets started before we know it. So, uh, But probably, you know, we'll, we'll see. There might be some more coaching changes and stuff by the time we talk next week. Uh, but, you know, signing day is over. Clay Helton's got his extension. So there'll probably be some smaller news between now and uh, when spring ball starts. Well, I'll tell you one topic that should uh, be discussed next week is who's the running back coach if it is announced. Yeah, we'll see. Say uh, that right now. Maybe I'm getting the job and I don't know it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put my name in the hat, so we'll see. Put your okay. name in there, too. Yeah, you know. Uh, let's let's speed that up, man. You're you're, <laughs> you're have spring ball here shortly. You yeah. better have a coach. Who are your running backs going to right now? Who are they talking to right now? I mean, who whose office are they sitting in right now? Hey, time, coach. It's time to name one. Yeah, I think I, I'm expecting something fairly soon. We'll see uh, what happens. But okay, that's the coach. Uh, I'm Ryan Abraham, publisher of USCFootball.com. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Parastyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.